Today we host a lifetime restaurateur, Tim Stannard from Bacchus Management Group here in our studio. We talk a lot about what it's like to create a great restaurant, to think about the neighborhoods that it serve, and even the design that serves the neighborhood of those people. Really fascinating. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Tim Stannard, for coming to the studio today. Tim runs some of the most exciting restaurants here in the Bay Area. Village Pub, Spruce, Mayfield Bakery, others. My favorite, Saratoga. And I thought we'd just start there because last yesterday we were talking on the phone about how that all developed. And I think I just love the area you've put that restaurant in. Yeah, the Tenderloin is a fun place. It's um, going through a lot of interesting transitions now. Uh, and and um, we're happy to have been part of, of that transition. So it's, it's exciting and a really cool old building. So. It is beautiful. And you were telling me a little bit about how, like, how fascinated you were, were with these older buildings down there. Yeah, yeah I love the, I think San Francisco is obviously a very beautiful city, but I've always thought that some of the most beautiful buildings, the most beautiful building stock in San Francisco is in the Tenderloin. And, and I think a lot of people just didn't recognize that for a long time. The Tenderloin obviously has, you know, been depressed and, and uh, not the most attractive place to walk through. But if you, if you stop and you walk through San Francisco, and especially the Tenderloin, you look up at some of those buildings, they're just gorgeous. It's one of the first areas that was rebuilt after the Great Earthquake. So really? a, lot of the beautiful earth, a lot of the beautiful architecture still exists. It's just sort of hidden a little bit. Do you think when they started rebuilding, they, I mean, did they, did they think, well, we got to make it just as beautiful as before? And then did they run out of gas or, (laughs) you know, or or did they not? And that was just, rebuilding was all beautiful. Well, I think a lot of those buildings that, I mean, I I wasn't there at the time. Right. um, But uh, I think a (laughs) lot of those. dream. (laughs) uh, In my, in my, uh, my dream of it, uh, the the buildings that, that are historical, like the Saratoga building, which dates back to 1907. um, And there's a lot of buildings like that in the Tenderloin. We're all built with just a great sense of balance and um, symmetry. There are buildings that have come up over the years um, that are much more, um, current that I think are a little more unfortunate. Um, they, they don't have that same sort of classical styling that a lot of the old buildings do. Um, so we were happy to get our hands on one of those original buildings and be able to tinker with it and sort of breathe life back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think the Tenderloin was before the earthquake? Oh, you mean way back to the Tenderloin was the center of energy of San Francisco. That was one of the things that really excited us as we started to do the research. And that was where um, all of the music halls were, the great jazz clubs were, the theaters were, the restaurants, the hotels. The Saratoga was a grand hotel originally in 1908 when it finally opened to the public. Wow. And tell me about this. Like, uh, are you an anchor there? Is there more happening now? Because there's finally a, like, a um, you know, classy, beautiful place to go dine. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot. There, right? So it's, there's not just us. Obviously, there's Jane down the street. I haven't uh, been there. Oh, yeah. Jane is terrific. Yeah. Is it? Um, uh, you know, there's um, Hero Shop next door, which is a terrific fashion store. Mm-hmm. So I think we're part of a collection of people that have realized there's vibrancy left in the Tenderloin and that there's um, 
uh, a new energy being dropped into the tenderloin. There's there's new architects moving in, new interior designers moving in. As I said fashion now. Restaurants, which are always sort of due to restaurant economics, we're always sort of on the bleeding edge of, of, of neighborhoods right. um, because we end up sort of chasing those areas and breathing life into those areas, right? We, we keep the lights on at night. We, we create population, so we create um, safety and security in, in the communities, and, and I think we help open the doors for other people to come in behind. But we certainly weren't the first, yeah. um, but I think that we're part of a movement that... that ho- and it seems to be what, what I'm really... I'm thankful for is that the movement has been sensitive to the architecture and the history of the Tenderloin and the population of the Tenderloin yeah. and uh, tries to balance the the growth of what's happening there sensibly uh, as mm-hmm. opposed to other communities that have sort of been steamrolled by, uh, mm-hmm. by, by new developments. And you love design. You mentioned you have one designer that you've worked with for years for all your restaurants, the very all, beginning, yeah. all nine of them now at the 10th, 10th one. We're, we're doing right now. Exciting. Yeah. And um, do you have a common thread you sort of weave through all these restaurants, or do you think they'll all have their own jam? Uh, yes and yes. Um, uh. So yes, they all have their own jam, but yes, there's a common theme. Um, so when, when you work with a, a designer like we do uh, that has such a strong point of view, there is obviously commonality to the design of the restaurants, but each one is clearly independent. And we spend a lot of time before we design a restaurant really thinking about the location. So even though some of our restaurants are, are, are a bit up there, um, they're all uh, neighborhood-based restaurants. So every time we do a restaurant, we spend a lot of time thinking about who's going to be there and who lives in that area and who, who, you know, who we're building the restaurant for. And then we modify what we're doing to try to meet the needs of the most, the largest group of that population uh-huh. in that community. Um, so sometimes that means that's a, a, a more fancy restaurant like Spruce or the Village Pub, which are in you know, neighborhoods like Woodside or, or uh, Presidio Heights. Mm-hmm. And those are Michelin-starred restaurants with grand award-winning wine lists. And then there are other restaurants like in Palo Alto that wanted to be a little more casual. And so there's a bakery with a breakfast, lunch, and dinner cafe. Um, more moderate price point. Um, and so everything that we do from the menu selection to the wine selection to the interior design to the music we play mm-hmm. um, to the way we light the restaurant to the uniforms the waiters wear to the font that we select uh, from the yeah. menus all are designed to sort of seamlessly come together, hopefully, um, and tell a story for the community. That's awesome. I don't know that everybody knows the layers. There's a lot of, of layers. vision yeah. and then planning and then execution that goes into a, a really yeah. nice, you know, two But that's what experience. makes it fun, right? Is you get to tell a really th- a big three-dimensional story about your restaurant. It's not, uh, it's not just the food that you put on the plate. There's an entire story you're telling about uh, that experience. Mm-hmm. And, and all of those little components come together to create a, a vibe, I don't know, a, yeah. a felt sense about... That's what I was thinking. That's a good, vibe. felt sense. A I felt mean. sense, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, we want really... you to open the door and... Um, and hopefully it happens even before you open the door when you call the restaurant or you go to the website to get a sense of the experience you're going to have. But for sure, we want the minute you open the door and step inside to go, aha, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the experience that this restaurant is presenting. This is this is the experience I'm going to have here. And so that really matters. Like the lighting matters, the dress that the hosts are in, uh, the music that's playing, the level of the music that's playing, how bright it is, how dark it is, how many candles there are, the artwork that's on the wall, all of that has to tell a story. And um, if it doesn't, you can, I've, you've walked into restaurants, I'm sure you've walked into restaurants, um, 
where you're not quite sure what's going to happen. And that's uh-huh. a, I think that's an awkward feeling for a guest. You want uh, to be relaxed and, uh-huh. and, and happy. And if you're a little bit on edge because you're not quite sure what the food is going to be like or what the service is going to be like, I think that it detracts from the overall happiness that, that guests have in our restaurant. So it's really important that we get all those little pieces right. Well, I mean, hats off to you and your team. And, t- yeah. You know, you guys execute. Yeah, there we were killer. lucky. We have a great, great, great team of people. Um, and you mentioned as you were coming in the door that we were both in, in suits and kind of like <laughs> really stuttered up today, aren't we, Tim? Uh, but you I have look a, like this every day. Do you? Me no. too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but you have a long day. You're doing some really amazing things for fire victims. Yeah, right we have now, a long day. We started early this morning, uh, but yeah. Uh, so tonight. All of the restaurants in, in the group, there are nine, and like we said, the 10th one's in construction now, um, decided to do something. And we all got together, all of the people that run all the restaurants, and said, what can we do to help? And we decided, let's just close for night uh, and take all the proceeds from all of the restaurants tonight, and we're going to give them to the North Bay uh, fire victims. Um, so uh, it's, it's great, and there's been a, a lot of uh, community. I mean, like I said, all of our restaurants are neighborhood restaurants, so... Yeah. All of the communities were in seem to be rallying around that. Um, so it's yeah. going to be a big night for me. I'm going to be racing restaurant to restaurant to restaurant, shaking well, hands and saying hi to people and yeah, what's, um, pushing oh, people to raise more money. Yeah. <laughs> what does that look like for you? Um, are you the, the chap who's kind of like, you know, a, a typical night? Are you shaking hands with people as they come in and go around? Do you do table by table? And, you know, but every three weeks you go to one restaurant, you try to do a lot of them. Like, what's your... <laughs> There is no typical really? in my schedule. That's exciting, though. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Exciting is a word for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, chaotic is another word for yeah, it. Yeah. Um, no, no, no day is really the same, and no week is the same. Um, yeah. I, uh, I spend a lot of time in my car moving between restaurants and, mm-hmm. and showing as many restaurants as I possibly can. Uh, also on construction sites as often as I can be, uh, uh-huh. working with the design teams, um, menu tastings, etc. But a large part of my day is just sort of moving from whatever restaurants I feel I can add the most value to. Uh-huh. So in the restaurants, there's a, a bit of a protocol for in the restaurants. And I, I usually start uh, by walking into the kitchen first. So I'll, I'll say hi to the hosts and I'll say hi to the bartenders. And then I'll usually walk into the kitchen and make sure I say hi to everybody and try and shake everybody's hand and um, yeah. uh, thank them. Uh, yeah. Because those guys are my heroes. They work so hard and they're such artists. Yeah. Um, that I want to be able to say thank you to them as often as I yeah. can. Uh, and so I will start with the staff first. Um, uh-huh. they're, they're the backbone of who we are and they're, they're our representation uh, to the world. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to thank them first. And when I'm done thanking everybody in the restaurant, yeah. then I'll start talking to the guests. That's uh, but cool. Always, always the staff comes first. Yeah. And, and you, um, I, I read that your mother was a restaurant executive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my wife... Also grew up on job sites. She's an interior designer too. And so she would go with her mom who was always rebuilding a house and um, would help pick colors or tile and you know, learned a lot yeah. from a very young age. So what kind of lessons did you learn and did you go <laughs> restaurant to restaurant even with your mom? Yes, I did. So my mother was a human resources um, uh, director for a restaurant company in San Francisco. Um, so as a young age, well, first of all, that's how I kind of fell in love with restaurants. So I got dragged around to restaurants as m- me and my little brother. Yeah. As kids, when she would go out and talk to the restaurant teams about workers' compensation or insurance or whatever uh-huh. we talked about, and I was a bit of a rambunctious 
kid, probably. Yeah. Um, probably got into You got a twinkle in your eye right I now should have. for the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I would, uh, she would make me stand in the kitchen and uh, like stand on a milk carton, don't move. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if you're a young kid, you know, 10 years old, that's a pretty intoxicating place to be, um, right? So especially back then, this was in the, uh, you know, late 70s, early 80s, um, late, I guess, late 70s. Um, and those restaurants were, you know, loud and the kitchens were, there's fire and sharp knives and testosterone and guys yelling at each other. With the music and, going. And, yeah, and I just thought, this is so, can I swear on this thing? Yeah. This is so fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so as a kid, you were just entirely intoxicated by that. Um, and I, I think that's where I fell in love with restaurants is, is that first moment in the kitchens. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, so then we would go out to dinner quite a lot in those restaurants and, um, I remember being 11 years old and ordering an espresso because I thought it was the coolest thing ever, and it was so, so terrible. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I wanted to be the sophisticated 10-year-old ordering espresso. Yeah. Um, so have, I felt at, at the end of the, the, the dinner, you were like, uh, "Yeah, I'll have yes, a I'll double, have, have a double espresso." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My poor mom. Um, so yeah, I fell I fell in love with restaurants um, uh, through her. Um, and then she's she's also been uh, a mentor to me in a lot of ways throughout my life. Um, you know, guiding me and coaching me and, and helping me think through a lot of human-related uh, uh, aspects of the restaurants that, that are um, become really important. And before you uh, started um, Bacchus Management, mm -hmm. um, you were also the, the lead and you ran a couple of restaurants. One of them was Bix. Mm -hmm. And I worked for Bix for a long time. Um, That's a cool historic place it's right? a very special place in my heart do you still yeah. go there ever I do I do, yeah. I do. All, not all the time but I do and, and one of the amazing things is the staff that I worked with I mean I, I worked at Bix to pay my way through college and the, that staff is still there which is an incredible testament to what a remarkable and unique and special place that is it's, it is a very very special place in my heart have you ever heard of Michael Guthrie? Sure. Oh, yes. you do? Oh, really? Well, Michael designed that restaurant. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, he, he and I designed a project. He did the architecture for a project up in Sonoma that we did the uh, interiors for. Mm -hmm. And yeah. he was telling me that they worked tirelessly yeah. to get, I think, a, a paint color that looked aged and even had like a smoky appeal. I, the stories about how they painted that restaurant are a bit legendary. I'm pretty sure it's completely illegal now. Um, but, <laughs> but there are stories about painters hanging from trapezes, swinging across the restaurant, spray painting. that Because the, the silver, which to me is one of the most beautiful colors in that restaurant, the, the giant columns that hold up the building are spraying in um, this airplane paint. Um, this silver airplane paint, which uh -huh. I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to use in interiors anymore. <laughs> um, I'm sure it was completely legal when they did it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a beautiful restaurant. It's a magical space. Do you know what's great about that? Is you walk down this alley, mm -hmm. and you it's like the architecture um, uh, the term, you know, compression, where you like walk this little doorway, and mm -hmm. it's just like. Big Bang, and exciting. Yeah. There's you that little neon sign that says Bix here, and there's that alley, and yeah. there's the Transamerica Pyramid peeking up yeah. over the building. It, yeah, to me, it was um, a romantic, very. I fell in love with the restaurant the very first time I went there uh, as a guest. Yeah. And uh, I was probably 19 years old um, walking in the door for the first time, and I remember thinking that this is the kind of restaurant I want to be part of. Yeah. And then, like, you know, a year later, luckily, um, I got a chance to work there. Um, and so we talked a little bit about Spruce. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't been, it sounds like Village Pub is similar. 
Uh, Village Boy is the very first restaurant. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. And, and what's the decor and design and feel of that place? Of the Village Pub? Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, all of our restaurants are designed to be community gathering spots for, mm-hmm. for the neighborhood. So, uh, the Village Pub is in Woodside. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the Village Pub because there had been a restaurant in that location called the Village Pub for as long as anybody could remember. Really? We couldn't actually go back and find out when it was, was first it? called the Village Pub. Uh-huh. Um, we, we went back 70 odd years and ran out of steam. Um, uh, but there had been this sort of gathering spot for this little town. Um, forever there and so our goal was to reimagine what that restaurant would look like for the current communities um, so like I said we do a lot of pre-work before yeah. we did the design so we actually went door to door in Woodside and knocked on doors and introduced ourselves to people and asked uh, to meet people that had lived in the town for a long time and had a whole lot of teas and uh, coffees yeah. with people and uh, learned a lot about the legacy of the restaurant that had been there before um, and then tried to reimagine and evolve that design. So one of the things that was like, so we ended up tearing the building down and building a brand new building, but there was this beautiful old hand carved from mahogany bar that had been there. I mean, I don't know how long it had been there. And it was a, you know, a, bit, a bit beat up. Um, so we, before we tore the building down, we pulled that out uh, and put it in storage and then uh, rebuilt the whole thing. And actually, it was our first restaurant, so we were really tight on capital. So it was mm-hmm. the chef, Mark Sullivan, and I, their hand putting back that piece together, oh, yeah. and putting together a limestone fireplace. Yeah. Um, but the, the interesting things that came out of the, the meetings with the, the people in the town of Woodside were the history and, and actually the colors. So they would talk about it being a place that had you know, dark oak and mahogany and uh, the, the booths were made out of um, red leather. Um, and so we tried to reimagine that and we ended up using this, uh, Bordeaux colored mohair fabric and, oh, yeah, um, yeah. and so it's this sort of deep, um, sexy it's burgundy. red is more it's burgundy. This, it's this really, yeah, this really beautiful, deep burgundy, yeah, uh, cool. color. And so the walls are in this, this, uh, mo, uh, burgundy mohair fabric and so are the booths and the chairs. And then there's, um, uh, polished mahogany, uh, wainscot and we restored the bar. Um, so it's a very sort of classic. Um, joint, if that makes sense, Tim, right? I have to tell you, I, just, it, it your passion for this <laughs> pours out, and the level of detail and, and deep thinking I can hear from like how you're creating these spaces is like uh, next level, man. Yeah, well, so that one no was surprise. Really, that one was really fun. I mean, it was the most challenging restaurant I think we've ever done in some ways. Uh, oh, the Saratoga was pretty challenging too. Mm-hmm. Um, challenging because uh, it, it ended up when the building came back up. We what we ended up in was the basement uh, of this building, so it was a basically a low ceilinged, um, five sided concrete box mm-hmm. um, with with one little door that looked out into a parking lot. And so the the goal was, you know, which one? This is the Village Pub. Oh, okay. On a, on a really limited budget because oh. it was the first restaurant we ever yeah, yeah. were able to do. How do you make it special? And then seventeen years later, it's been sold out pretty much every single night for seventeen years. Jeez. So, so, yeah. so far so good. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> I, I wish nothing but uh, you t- and your team to go from su- uh, success to success and strength to strength. You also said yesterday on the phone, we were chatting, that you started your first uh, farm. Was yeah. that for the Village Pub? <laughs> it was. Yeah, not, not a good recommendation for all you future restaurateurs out there. Yeah, you so should. you start your first <laughs> restaurant. Also, everyone who's listening who wants to start a restaurant, 
as compulsory if you also to start a farm. <laughs> farm and Go a ahead. wholesale bakery and, and roast your own yeah, coffee and, and yeah. make your own wine and your own scotch and all. Yeah, uh, we, we are a bit obsessive about um, ingredients mm-hmm. uh, in everything we do. So and we've always been that way. We really like to, I mean, obviously that's part of why you fall in love with restaurants is because you love food and you love wine, and you love spirits. And, um, yeah. and so controlling those things and getting your hands literally in the dirt was, uh-huh. was really exciting for me. Um, and so when Mark and I started the Village Pub together, one of the big conversations we had is how do we control the quality coming in the back door? The more you can control the quality, the raw product, yeah. the more you can put a better product on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we spent a lot of time talking about that and going on meeting with farmers and, and developing relationships with small farmers to, to grow product for us. And then at one point we were like, why don't we just do it ourselves? And we were in the middle of building a new building and thought, sure, yeah. we can also do an organic farm. And we looked around and looked around and looked around and um, we ended up meeting uh, a guy named Dale Jurassic, who's become a really dear friend of mine, uh, who has this beautiful piece of land. He has a thousand acre uh, ranch that sits right on this um, the coastline of Skyline, um, uh-huh. up, just up the hill from Woodside, about 20 minutes from our back door. And it looks back um, both over Silicon Valley on one side and then on the west side, it looks right over it's the Pacific the Ocean. Basically. It's right on the ridge. And the first time we went there, it was just, it was like the sky, the, the clouds parted, the sun came out, and you're like, right. we have to be here. There's a beautiful underground spring that um, feeds this pond, so we were able to just run a hose from the pond to our field, so there's, we, you know, mm. gravity-fed watering, wow. there's a barn where the farmers live year-round. Um, so we ended up with a five-plus acre farm that raises... Um, all of the produce or the bulk of the, the specialty produce for all of the restaurants. Uh-huh. Um, and it's been a really, uh, been a really great uh, learning experience. It's been a harder. It turns out it's not that easy to be a farmer. Yeah. Um, it's, it's challenging, but the team there does an amazing job. Does and that it, feed uh, or does that fuel all your restaurants mm-hmm. now? Yeah. That sort of, sort of starts to make sense. Yeah. We're, you must have had a little bit of a plan, like, we're going to start this farm in the first restaurant, but we're going to make more restaurants. Nope. Nope. <laughs> in, fact, uh, in fact, when I did the Village Pub, I swore to myself that I was only going to do one restaurant. Is that I, midway or afterwards? or during, No, no, no. Or going into it. So I had, oh, run, I had run a restaurant group before that, um, and, oh. and we had uh, had a bunch of restaurants in that group, and it was sort of a wild time opening restaurants. And um, when I wanted to have my restaurant, I had this vision of having one restaurant, and it was just going to be one quiet little restaurant in this yeah, town, and a five-acre yeah, organic farm. Um, uh, so no, I, I I I didn't expect to have more restaurants, uh, and it just it just sort of has happened. So that's we're perfect. the accidental restaurant company. Yes, <laughs> that's a perfect segue into tell me about your new restaurant. What's its name? Do you have a name yet? What's its lot? What's the vibe? Where's it at? So we don't have a name for it. Um, we're, can we we're brainstorm on a name? We can brainstorm on a name. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I you, you can help me because okay. I I'm, we are terrible at names, right? Uh-huh. We, we're uh, we're not good at names. Um, I think we're good at a lot of things in restaurants. Where <laughs> we name our restaurants after the streets they're on, or because somebody else named it seventy years ago. Yeah. Um, so this restaurant, um, and we really were not looking for another restaurant, but this, there's a very special building in Atherton um, that's been a, a restaurant for, I think, back to 1974. And it's this beautiful two-story, ivy-covered building. Um, and the restaurant that, that was there is called, was called Chantilly. Chantilly, uh, it, got been, it. Been there, it's sort of a very legendary restaurant in, in Silicon Valley. Uh-huh. Um, 
and the owner is retiring and, and we met with the owner and wanted to rebuild that legacy. Uh-huh. Uh, so we're working on uh, this new restaurant. Uh, and so for us, uh, like I said, we spent a lot of time thinking about the community and talking to the neighbors and, and looking at the architecture and feeling what does this restaurant want to be? What does the community want it to be? And there's something about this restaurant, and it's, it's interesting because everybody that's walked through there on my team, including Steven, the designer I work with, have all sort of stopped and said, God, it feels like it feels like it wants to be a restaurant from Hollywood from the 1940s. I mean, oh. sort of strangely, like there's been this unanimous oh. sensibility around that that it wants to be a joint, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, and so, or we, like for the Rat Pack. Yeah, but I want it to be not quite so you, not, so not obvious, pack, right? So, um, I, so there there are great restaurants in Hollywood in the forties, right? The Brown Derby, Chasen's. Uh-huh. Musso and Frank's restaurants like that. The places where you like, uh, yeah, you see like Montgomery Cliff, you know, having a martini at the bar. Um, yes. and, and so there's something about that sort of casual, easy elegance of California and Hollywood and, and that time period that I, I want to find a way to, to recreate without it being a cartoonish version, right? Uh-huh. There, there's a lot of restaurants I think that have sort of embraced that rat pack mentality, but in a very sort of two-dimensional, um, cookie-cutter, cartoonish kind of way. Um, is, it, is the vibe there, is it suit and tie for that type of restaurant? Or yeah, I don't think so. I think I, I, I mean, want... That, but that version of the yeah. 40s, were they smart? I mean, did they... Did so they not have... every wore I mean, everybody dressed a little okay. more at that time. Yeah. But if you look back at those restaurants, there's plenty of people there. The guys wore jackets. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I think there's something about this restaurant where you want to, you know, you want to feel like if you wear a jacket and you're not overdressed for the restaurant, right? Yeah. If you were dressed like you, you would feel perfectly at home. Yeah. Um, so th- that's the big challenge for us, right? We mm-hmm. talked at the beginning of this conversation about <clears throat> the felt sense, right? Or mm-hmm. the vibe of a restaurant. And, and that that's harder to do but more interesting to me than to just simply say okay what what did a restaurant in Hollywood serve in the 1940s and what did it look like and let's put some pictures of Frank Sinatra on the wall um, that that's not that interesting to I me. got an idea for you for the name oh uh, yeah okay pick an, a street out of LA yeah so we, so we looked that. at that we looked at that would be Atherton <laughs> um, we've looked at names from famous famous <clears throat> movie stars but that seems a little too too obvious to me so we'll you know, we'll think about it. The interesting thing is a lot of those restaurants are named, have male names, right? Like Musso, Frank's, or Jason's. Um, uh-huh. So, Tim. Okay, Jeff's. Done. So, let me know if you come up with anything. Or if okay. anybody has anything, they can email me their yeah, thoughts yeah, yeah. on what I'm we should call it. I'm going to put some deep thought into this. Yeah. But just... the, the goal is to... to um, to have that same sort of sensibility. So that's a, a big part of the conversations we've been having internally is like, what would it have felt like to have walked into Chasen's uh, in the 40s and mm-hmm. seen Humphrey Bogart having chili? Mm-hmm. What would you have felt? What would that have restaurant felt like? What, if that, <clears throat> what would it have sounded like? What would, you know, the, the sound of martinis being shaken and glasses clinking and what would the, how would the music have been? And uh, how do you rebuild that in a way that makes sense for 2018 when we'll open this restaurant? And mm-hmm. we don't have the answers yet, but we're asking the right questions. I think yeah. so. We'll we'll get there. Okay, here, there's no no. Uh, you have to imagine after kind of listening to you why your restaurants are so successful because you are doing all this research 
and research and, and asking cool, man. yeah we like Dang. to ask questions we like to ask lots of questions and yeah. luckily you know there's a lot of really really smart people that work with us um, that have really interesting and creative answers to those questions and you just recently opened uh, roast co and we've had roast co for a long time actually. oh have you yeah um, so that was part of part of the same sensibility as the farm um, you know after we've been open with the village pub for a while we actually opened a couple of other restaurants and um, was a bit frustrated with the level of coffee. This is sort of pre-third wave coffee. Uh-huh. Uh, a little frustrated with the level of coffee that we were getting and took a look at the economics and thought, you know, wouldn't it be fun to do this ourselves? Why can't we do this? And so we started doing the research and we spent about a year researching coffee and talking to people. And uh, at one point we met this really, really terrific guy mm-hmm. um, and who's, who's our, our coffee roaster now, um, Alex Roberts, who's just maybe to my mind, I think he's the best coffee roaster in the Bay Area. Uh, and we decided to go into business together and roast coffee that was originally supposed to be just for us. So it was this little coffee company that was going to roast coffee, get mm. the name roast coffee, yeah. um, just for our <laughs> restaurants. Yeah, see, we're not great. Yeah. Um, Tim's. And uh, yeah. Tim, Tim's coffee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Alex or Andrew or Andrew would be too happy about that. Um, and the coffee is fantastic. And so we started serving the coffee in the restaurants and we started getting phone calls from other restaurateurs who'd been in saying, where do you get your coffee? And I said, well, we, we have a little coffee roastery in Emeryville. We, we roasted ourselves. And they said, well, can we, can we buy some? Yeah. And so now it's turned into an actual full-fledged company with, cool. I don't know, a hundred odd uh, restaurants and cafes around the Bay Area cool. buying our coffee. Uh, that's really an inventive of thinking about like if you if you taste the coffee you're serving you're like that's not good enough the palate you must have on every level i'll bet you strike fear in other restaurants uh, chefs like, yeah, I don't know. tim's coming in uh, i don't know uh, pop it up a notch guys <laughs> we have a really good team we have a re- yeah so, so but it uh, must be you must also suffer when you go to another restaurant you're like gosh <laughs> wish i was back at you know one of mine. No, no. There's there's tons of great restaurants and, and tons to learn from everybody else. That's especially here in the Bay Area, right? The the, yeah. the level of there are. Uh, it's not really competition in the Bay Area. The level of comradeship and, and other people that are doing fascinating, interesting things is really inspiring to be around. That is uh, is that true? Then there is the camaraderie with interior designers. Mm-hmm. I do find that there's a lot of respect and you know. That I do, I do. And you have that same... Yeah, so again, we, we work with, with only with Stephen. Um, no, but I mean, among, amongst restaurateurs, I was drawing the parallel between other, oh, yeah, the, the, yeah, other the same design way. firms. We like, like each other, you know? Yeah. We help each other. And yeah, same, I, I, same I, as yeah, I, in restaurant I think world. we... Uh, yeah, there's, there's obviously a large amount of restaurateurs in the Bay Area, but there's a, a group of us that have all got to know each other over the years, and I think everybody's really collaborative and helpful and... Um, supportive and cheer each other on and uh-huh. when somebody does well we're really happy for each other so yeah. I, I you know i don't i know i don't know other cities i've heard stories in other cities that it doesn't work that way but uh-huh. i'm really proud to be part of the community of barrier restaurants because i think they're just a great group of people by and large and you know people outside of san francisco i think they do uh, applaud the great restaurants and the great food scene that's here is that the, your experience too yeah yeah, certainly. Why? Um, is it just the, I guess, well, why? Why do you think there's so many great restaurants? Well, I think the, I, I think where we live, first of all, just attracts creative and talented people. Mm-hmm. I mean, look around, look out your window right now, and 
we live in probably the most beautiful place in the United States. Um, mm. I spent a, a good part of my life traveling around the United States trying to find someplace better to live mm. uh, than the Bay Area. And, and after living all over the place, I ended up back here because- Where did you such, go? Where did you oh, travel? God, I, Where did you explore? Uh, we did it. Aspen, New Orleans, Seattle, mm. Boston, New York. Um, and then I've lived in Hawaii, Connecticut. Um, so I've lived a lot of different places for short bursts of time. Um, mm-hmm. I have to say New Orleans was a close second. I oh, loved, I still love New cool. Orleans. Um, but yeah, after all of that, I sort of found myself back in the Bay Area, um, realizing this was pound for pound, the best place in the United States to live. And, and I think about a lot of uh, tours also find that as well too. I mean, you've, you've obviously you're surrounded by vineyards and farms and the ocean. So the, the sheer product we can get our hands on to mm-hmm. work with is unparalleled in the United States, I think. Um, but on top of that, you're surrounded by a, a well-educated, well-traveled clientele that are sophisticated and get it. And, and that combination is really exciting when we can cook great food or build great restaurants and have a clientele that is that gets it and, and supports it and cheers it on. Boy, what a great feeling that is. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, I was just thinking about recession-proof businesses mm-hmm. when I was kind of preparing for this um, podcast. And uh, <clears throat> I've heard that, you know, bars do well and restaurants do well in recessions. Do, do restaurants do well or is it just bars? Uh, so we've been through two cycles now since we started. We, uh-huh. uh, the Village Pub opened right before the dot-com crash. Yeah. Uh, and then we've obviously been through the the big one. Yeah, um, the big guy. The big, the big guy. <laughs> uh, and some restaurants did not come out of the yeah. other side of that. Um, and, and actually, in both of those recessions, uh, as I said in the beginning, one of the things that's really important to us is that we build restaurants that can be as many things to as many different people in the community as possible. Right. So we're really careful. Um, even while some of our restaurants are on the more expensive side, we really. Um, stay true to our vision of being as many things to as many different people. So if you go to Spruce, for example, you can have a seven-course tasting menu with, a, you know, one of the top 85 wine lists on the planet um, is there. We have two of those lists. Um, or you can also sit at the bar and have a cold beer and a cheeseburger. Uh-huh. And both of those experiences are true for Spruce and authentic to what Spruce is. So through the recessions, um, not because we sort of planned for a recession, but, but because we planned to be as broad, have as, you know, as large an embrace of the community as we could, um, we found that uh, while we certainly felt the impact, our actual cover counts, the number of guests that came into the restaurant every night didn't change through either oh. recession. It stayed pretty constant. Yeah. What they ordered um, they changed for sure. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more yeah. people drinking whiskey <laughs> than <laughs> drinking Burgundy, um, uh, but the same number of people came in the restaurant, and yeah. I, and that was you work with that. Yeah, we were really proud about that. We were really yeah. proud that that even during tough times, um, people kept coming into the restaurant, and and that we had built a restaurant where people could shift in instead of spending seven hundred dollars on a bottle of wine, they could spend thirty dollars on a bottle of wine, or they could spend five dollars on a cold beer, and they could have a cheeseburger, and they could still have a great experience and be with their friends and be with their family. Um, in our restaurants, and that was really important to me. That um, coming through that 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 idea uh, carried weight with with the community. So every restaurant we do, we really ask that question over and over again: How are we How are we opening our arms to the entire community here? 
Um, and so what it was the plan and what did you want people to experience at Saratoga? What's the story behind it? I hate to keep going back to that no. one because that's yeah. you know, one of my you personal favorites. You like that favorite. place. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I just have, it's on my way home. Yeah. Too. Oh, even better. It's Bruce's too. It's like, <laughs> you can do two in one night. Like, yeah, hey. exactly. um, We're shaking hands. Three like, or I four. Start yeah. the, I start with the bar staff. Yeah. Get my drink. Yeah. And then go back to the kitchen and hang out. <laughs> that's what I always You're didn't in. tell you. You're in. Uh, yeah, so uh, again, uh, I, I hate to sound redundant, but like uh, all of our restaurants, when we started the Saratoga, we spent a lot of time just reading and researching the community, the history, and asked some of those same questions that we're mm-hmm. asking now for this Atherton restaurant. Yeah. What would it have felt like to have been inside um, a classic bar in the Tenderloin during the heyday, during oh, the right. during the teens or twenties, right yeah. when this was the roaring, you know, the roaring times of San Francisco and all the nightclubs and bars and music halls and venues were right where we are. What would that have felt like? Was the sta- were the stairs there? No, uh-huh. that's a funny story. Um, so when we first toured the building, uh, we only saw the first floor, uh-huh. uh-huh. and I fell in love with it. You, you, like you walked inside, yeah. and it was it had been shut down and boarded up for a long time. So you really had to kind of you know open your eyes wide and, and look Have deeply. Have some vision. You, you needed a little bit of vision, um, but the building, the bones of the building, were so beautiful, and um, we were touring. And walking to the very back of the, the upstairs, and in the floor upstairs was a door, kind of like your door, a closet door with a normal door handle on it, uh-huh. buried in the floor. Uh-huh. And I remember asking the, the person who was touring with me, why is there a closet door stuck in your floor? floor. Yeah. And they said, I have no idea. <laughs> so where does it go? So I have no idea. So we opened it up, uh-huh. and there, were no, there was no power, there were no lights, so we had to pull out our iPhones yeah. and turn on a little flashlight, and there was these little rickety wooden steps um, that went downstairs. And so we kind of went downstairs brushing all the cobwebs out of the way. And lo and behold, there was this huge basement with these giant tall ceilings downstairs that had just been... 10-foot ceilings or something? Yeah, 10-foot ceilings downstairs. And and, which you don't find in San Francisco anywhere, right? San Francisco builds from the ground up. They don't build down. Yeah. Um, And there was this sort of magical space downstairs. And uh, so we had a long conversation with the landlord about that space. And, uh, and I sort of instantly knew like, oh, now I really want it. I right. wanted it when I was upstairs because I want to do something in this community and I love this building, but now I really, really want it. Yeah. Were you also saying like, well, I mean, you know, this is just a little bit of a basement. You know, I'm just selling its value. <laughs> You're giving away all my negotiation tools. <laughs> um, <laughs> the good news was nobody really knew the basement was there. Yeah. So nobody had calculated for it. So yeah, so we uh, we took the upstairs and the downstairs, and sort of I instantly knew that what I wanted to do was cut a big hole right in the middle of it and build a downstairs bar, which you don't find in San Francisco, right? You'll see you'll see bars like that uh, that are these subterranean bars in uh, London or Paris or New mm-hmm. York or places that have that that sort of so compressed awesome. and go down. It's cool. Uh, and I thought, boy, this is this feels like the arts club in London. You just don't have this kind of stuff in San Francisco. So we built the downstairs. Yeah. So what's the next? Uh, place in the area. I don't know. How can we all get involved? <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, uh, there's so many. Be- Actually, as I was walking here today, I was looking at the building next to yours. is undergoing construction. Yeah. What a beautiful building it is. It is and cool. I realized the view out of the back uh, is staggering. So maybe yeah. we should lease that place and we'll build a restaurant there. A huge one. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. 
if you were scheduled to be, we talked about this yesterday. This is kind of a shocker mm -hmm. question, but <laughs> shocker question. But if you're going to be in an electric chair, like <laughs> it's the last meal, if you, were to be, if you were scheduled yeah. to be, uh, you know, it was going, it was, it was lights out and electric chair. And you had, they were like, Tim, buddy, you get one more meal. What's yeah. the meal? Yeah, you asked me this yesterday, and I still don't have a. And I told you that guy ruined it for everybody. He did. Some some yeah. guy. Uh, was in the press a couple meal, of years ago, or and something? he ordered like a porterhouse steak and a roast chicken, and everything, and <laughs> pasta, and they, then he didn't eat any of it, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and so now, they, now you really tr truly have to choose like. Your then they last choose the rule. Or they change the rules. I don't know. I, you know, um, this sounds too simplistic, but. I have a passion for a perfectly roasted chicken. Like, uh -huh. I love beautifully perfect roasted chicken. So mm -hmm. I think that actually that's probably what I would have. Is that and terrible to say? Uh, green, sounds, simple, sounds beautiful delicious. little green salad and a perfect chicken. Uh, the, the, um, oh, yeah, the side is the. You know, I'm supposed to say caviar salad. and foie gras, but I, uh, I like roast chicken. Huh? What would yeah. you have? I don't know. I I just uh, do you know what I have? I just I'm I'm gonna go out on this. Uh, Probably a brilliant uh, couple of lamb chops oh. or lamb like on the See? lollipop things. I, I love barbecuing those and that's where I'd start. Oh, oh barbecue too. Oh, no, oh, well, I really like, messed like, up. singe them almost over an open fire and oh. that's what I love. <laughs> Maybe I'll change my mind now. <laughs> we could, well, I'll, we could, um, well, we're being co-electrocuted. Yeah, yeah, we can. We're like swap. We'll share, yeah, share. yeah. Of course. They never we just get that go, rule, did they? Just have some share plates to go yeah. with our last meal, please. <laughs> um, and then the, uh, the the question I like to end with with everybody, and this has been such a delight, dude. Thanks so much for coming. Oh, this has been great. We could, we could jam all day. We'll come back. Oh, when maybe when your new restaurant we'll get the new one. Yeah, or when you find the name, you call me. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, what's the what's your favorite room in your house, and why? Oh, that's, um, other than my bedroom for sleeping, <laughs> four hours I get to sleep every night. Um, I, so I have a funky old house. I have, a, uh, I have an old colonial from 1936 that we restored. Um, and it has a, uh, and it's sort of, sort of this ramshackle house, but it has uh, this room in the back that's sort of become the de facto family room. I mean, obviously the kitchen is where I spend, whenever I'm home, most of my time cooking. I love being in the kitchen. We built the kitchen to sort of blew it out into the living room. So uh -huh. there's this sort of big gathering spot and it feeds out onto a, a deck. So th there's, there's a lot of action that can happen there. But there's a mm -hmm. room in the back that had this double overheight um, cathedral ceilings. And we restored that. And uh, the fun part was uh, one of the walls when we were restoring the house had rotted all the way through. So we um, sawed off that whole wall and rebuilt it with a cathedral glass floor to ceiling, uh, and it looks right over uh, the western hills of Woodside. So oh, if you cool. sit in this room now, it's just big couches, plus it's got the bar in it, which is really important, uh, and you can look out over the western hills. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a great place to sit and kind of watch the sun go down and, and have a, a cocktail if you're lucky enough to be home before yeah. the sun goes down. Which how, how often do you get to spend time in that room? <laughs> you know, once a week. Once a week, yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, or, or late if I get home late enough, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but not as much as. Are I there should. lights out in the Woodside Hills? Is there anything that kind of? No, it's great. It's just, it's, it, yeah, Woodside has uh, has really strong dark sky compliance rules, so there really wow. are. There's there's no street lights. Uh, it's dark when you get do home. You, but, is there enough 
uh, or there's a, is there little enough light yeah, to see the stars? Yeah, oh yeah, you can actually, oh, yeah. the stars are, are raining down on top. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, other than the, the llamas yelling at each other and the deer, <laughs> the deer running around. The llamas? My the next door neighbors llamas. have three llamas. This bit of so we have yeah, yeah, they do. So we have, <laughs> we have three llamas, we have goats on our street, we have chickens, we have deer running like crazy, we have jackrabbits, um, we have coyotes. Um, all 30 minutes outside of San Francisco. That's awesome. I didn't even get through like any of my questions because this was so fun. <laughs> but again, thank you so much. Jeff, I'm so grateful I appreciate it. to lay some, lay some down some tracks. I'll see you at the Saratoga. Okay, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks.